Hey now, we are getting over and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times with the latest WWE edition of your favorite professional wrestling podcast. That's right, getting over is back once again, Silver King, Adam Silverstein, vintage Chris Vanini is here and we are two weeks out from WWE Elimination Chamber, normally one of the events I look most forward to each year as it is on the road to WrestleMania, but WWE did throw us a curveball this year. It is being held once again in Saudi Arabia, a blood money in the sand event coming up later this month in February. But the Silver King, Vintage, we're both here to break down everything that happened across SmackDown and Raw this week in WWE as we quickly move forward towards the show, which I have to say is being built up similarly to Crown Jewel as a significant pay-per-view. There's a number of big-time matches on the show. I'm pretty excited for the card, the way it's being built, and there is an opportunity for this to be, uh, you know, a home run potential uh, on the road to WrestleMania 38. We are going to break all of that down coming up for you momentarily here, but I would be remiss if I started any edition of the Getting Over Wrestling podcast without reminding you one simple fact, that getting over this show and always is all about defiance. So please, folks, stop being marks for yourselves and go back to being a mark for me. Go back to being marks for the Silver King for Vintage. Head on over to Apple Podcast and Spotify. Leave a five-star rating for this show on Apple. Also leave a review. Let people know how much you love getting over. Tell them why you listen and why they should subscribe to your favorite wrestling podcast. Also, please do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. Hopefully you guys can tell uh, the Silver King is getting back into his normal flow, his normal schedule. I'm I'm tweeting live during the shows again, uh, sending out news and information, fun videos, all that good stuff. You can get it all along with episode releases, voting in polls, free live shows, all by following us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. So we do have a loaded show for you today. Plenty to talk about from SmackDown and Raw. Allow me to bring Chris into the show. Chris, uh, how has your last week been and how does it feel, uh, maybe a little bit like me, to be a couple weeks removed from the season and kind of getting back to normal a little bit? Yeah, I'm sleeping in on weekends. I'm getting a little more sleep during the week, depending on what Auburn football here does uh, with their coach. But yeah, yeah I, I feel like I'm in off-season time now. I'm paying more attention to wrestling. I'm paying more attention to college basketball, to the Olympics when I can, to these other things. So I'm doing pretty well. But how about yourself? I listened to last Thursday's episode, the, the NXT AW <laughs> yeah. show, when you revealed to the Getting Over heads, the Getting Over universe that uh, you're dealing with COVID. How you doing? Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, Thursday, I'll, I'll just be brief on this. Thursday, I thought I was like pretty good, right? Like I was 95% better um, to the point where the next day I was ready to like leave the house. You know, I was past the five day quarantine period, wear a mask. I was going to go food shopping, things like that. And I went out Friday to just pick up some dog food and stuff for, for my, my pup. And like I left the store putting the stuff back in the car and my body like it didn't quit on me, but I just. I was exhausted and it's not hot now in Florida. I don't know anyone who happens to live in South Florida or a state where it gets really hot, like during the summer, sometimes you can do one errand. And by the time you get back in your car, you're just like, I'm going home. I'm done. Like, this is ridiculous. Yes. It felt like that, except it was like 
65 degrees. So it's, you know, it's not that hot here right now, but I was just exhausted. So I went home and then over this weekend, it like, I got like round two almost not, not as bad as round one, but it just like came back where I went from feeling, like I said, late Thursday, probably 95% down to about like 70% on Saturday and Sunday. Luckily, Yesterday on Monday, I'm back to feeling that 95%. I feel the same way today. So I'm, I'm not going to exert. I'm just going to kind of, you know, let things, uh, you know, simmer, I guess, for the rest of this week. But it's tough because you want to do things like you want to do uh, chores around the house. You want to clean up the kitchen. You want to vacuum. And everything I read just says don't do anything. Like if until you're yeah. fully over it, just relax and, and don't do shit. So I've been watching TV. I got to see Murderville on uh, Netflix. Good. Not bad. Recommend. Uh, you guys watching it if you have a little bit of free time, kind of funny. Um, and I've been watching wrestling and catching up on stuff and setting things up for the show uh, going forward with potentially, hopefully, some interviews on the road to WrestleMania and also just scheduling out our shows from now through April. So um, I, I've gotten a lot accomplished, but I'll tell you, I'm 11 days into it right now and I'm still not 100 percent. So it's no joke. Wear your masks, get vaccinated. Just don't mess with us. Trust me. Yeah, I, I'm uh, I think I'm one of the fortunate ones. Or at least I don't know if I've had it. I've. I've never tested positive. I've never really yeah. felt in a way that I needed to. But yeah, my, my my wife pretty sure had it maybe once, maybe twice based on all the symptoms and still dealing with some of the after effects. So, yeah, like I said, get vaccinated. It helps. It'd be a lot yeah. worse if you don't. So. I, that's what that that's the key. I don't I can't imagine what I would have felt like if I wasn't vaccinated. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, that's my mental process on it. It's like, holy shit, I felt this bad, you know, with three vaccination shots. What would I have felt like without them? Yeah, you know, and, so. and and how how bad could it have gotten potentially for him? Yeah, yeah. So do what I'm, you can to protect yourself and yeah. others, folks. Exactly, that is the key. Uh, so that's let's get out of COVID. Um, you know, we we did talk plenty about that over the last two year existence of this podcast because it's affected wrestling the entire tenure of the Getting Over Wrestling podcast. We haven't really existed without COVID in our lives, unfortunately, as far as the show goes. But let's actually get back to talking about the wrestling today, Chris. And, uh, you know, on these WWE episodes, unless we have some really hot topic, I generally open with an overview of the two shows before we get into the main event, before we get into the good, the bad and the ugly. And my overview this week is really simple. Raw was again better than SmackDown. Raw had its normal faults, just like every show does. But SmackDown had one sequence during the first hour this week. And I'm going to talk about it at the very end of the good, the bad and the ugly. I didn't want to get angry right off the top here, but it was so horrific that I'm saving it so I can unload the uh, soundboard. Like every negative sound, I just want to hit it with at the end. It was so absolutely terrible. The one thing I'll say, though, is the big stuff on both shows hit this week. And when you're building for a big pay-per-view, which Elimination Chamber is, even if we don't like where it's being held, and then you're continuing to build for the, your biggest show of the year, WrestleMania, the most important thing is that your big stuff hits. And for this week, I feel that most of it did. Yeah, it SmackDown itself, I thought overall was pretty brutal. One of the the one one of my least favorite episodes in quite some time. There were a couple things we'll get to, but overall, it's like, man, what the heck happened to the show? Like, there were points where I'm like, this kind of feels like Rampage, where it's like none of this matters. What's none of it matters. Yeah, on the screen and with Raw, you know, we don't get Brock there, and so we kind of get back into that oh, we got a part-timer in the title match type of deal, and they're the focus of the show, but they're not always there. And that kind of 
drags the show down a bit when you do when your biggest story on your brand is not hitting because someone's not there. It gets tough. And I, I'm curious, you know, through Elimination Chamber into Mania, if we're going to get enough of that or if we're going to have to have the, the mid card kind of carry the shows for a bit. Sometimes well, it I, happens I, I, on yeah. Mania. I think we are going to need the mid card to carry the shows. And that's what you're seeing right now on Raw. If if WrestleMania goes in the direction we assume it's going to, uh, and we talked about that at length last week, uh, the title versus title match, Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar, it seems obviously going in that direction. It's telegraphed. Um, and that is a negative direction, at least for, for this viewer, for this you know critic, if you want to call me that. Um, taking away a main event match by shoving two titles in a single match for the men where you have a, a stronger division than the women when they did it three years ago at WrestleMania 35, it's a, not a good decision. And it seems like they're just full steam ahead towards that decision. And it leaves you to wonder what is left for everyone else. I mean, they literally on Raw said to a upper mid-carder, you may not have a spot at WrestleMania this week. And, I, and I was, then I was thinking about it. I was like, well, yeah, what would his spot be at WrestleMania? Because he is supposed to be in contention for one title, but he's not. He should be in contention for another, but is being left out of the match because he won't, of course, travel to Saudi Arabia. Credit to him for not going. Um, this, is Kevin, this is Kevin Owens, by the way. Kevin Owens. He's not in a tag team title picture, and he's better than the tag team title picture anyway. And both main titles look like they're going to be contested in a single match. So, yeah, what exactly is his plan going to be for WrestleMania? Now, I hate those storylines every year because it's like, well, if you're a good company, uh, you know, why would you, and, and you know, you're booking, right? You're booking a fight card. If you're, let's make believe for a second, you're a boxing promoter and you have Floyd Mayweather wanting to fight on your card. Why would you not book Floyd Mayweather on your card? Of course you would, right? That's why it doesn't make any sense for someone like when they did the John Cena storyline, Cena not having a reason to be at WrestleMania. Invent a reason. It's John F and Cena, right? Like, well, they like, did. I, I actually liked what they did with that. But, uh, but my point it, is, if you're yeah. if you're Vince McMahon, okay, in real yeah. life, if you're Vince yeah, McMahon, yeah, yeah. and you're looking at your thing, you're like, huh, I don't know what I'm going to do with John Cena. You pick an opponent and you get John Cena on the card. Like, right, right, right. it's not that hard to do. You can do the same thing with Kevin Owens. So my my point here is that when when that storyline was brought up, I was like, yeah, that is the issue because your Intercontinental Championship hasn't been defended in three months. Your United States Champion has been. You know, I don't use the word ruined here. I don't believe it's true. Damian Priest has largely been ruined from what he was yeah. four months ago, let's say. Um, and both of your other singles men's titles are going to be in one match. So, yeah, what the hell are all these people going to do? That, that's my biggest issue right now with the road to WrestleMania. Yeah, and I, I will say, especially with Raw, I, I do think there's going to be a lot of interesting mid-card storylines going into Mania. It's just like you said, it's interesting that they're probably not, they may not involve the championships, the mid-card championships. So uh, we can get into the show, but but um, yeah, it, it's a week where the, you know, the championship matches type stuff is not really what the main focus is. But right this now. is this is the problem with WWE's thinking, and we'll get into the main event in two seconds. But and I talk this is what I talk about all the time with taking your attractions who don't need to be in title matches and forcing them into title matches because can you imagine and i'm just gonna spitball something completely like off you know no no sense in reality right now okay but let's make believe brock lesnar and ronda rousey weren't in championship matches at wrestlemania right so let's make believe 
you did just something like Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair, Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley, and Ronda Rousey versus Sasha Banks. Now, instead of having two main event women's matches, you have three main event women's mm-hmm. matches. And by the way, if you want Lita to wrestle, okay, you give Bailey versus Lita. Now you mm-hmm. have four main event women's matches. Just as an example, for the yep. men, you say, okay, Roman Reigns versus Biggie. It's the match that many of us always wanted. On the WWE side, uh, let's say Seth Rollins was champion like we thought he might be. Seth Rollins versus Kevin Owens. And then you know what you've done? You've saved Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley. Now you have three main event men's matches. Oh, and you still have Edge as a performer on your show. Give him AJ Styles. Now you have four main event men's matches. So right there, I've taken the performers that have been jammed into title matches and I've given WWE an extremely strong eight match card for WrestleMania. That's four on each night, two of those men's matches, two of those women's matches on each night. And then you fill out the lower portion of your card. And you know what that sounds like to me, Chris? It sounds like a WrestleMania that I absolutely cannot miss. I have to attend it if I'm if I live in Texas and I have to watch it. Um, if I'm a WWE fan or even a periphery wrestling fan that says, hey, I, I only watch WrestleMania and the Royal Rumble every year. That's what that accomplishes. Instead, they're shoving these people who don't need the title to sell tickets into title matches, and it hurts everything else going down the card. And put, That I, is I, WWE's problem. My biggest issue, and it hasn't happened yet, but we're probably going to get it, is title versus title. Because you're putting Brock and Roman together. You could do that without titles. Instead, you're putting two titles on them. You're putting so much into one match, it limits what you can do elsewhere. And they're I think they're taking something that potentially could have created three main events, and they, they're yeah. doing one with it instead. Yeah. By putting Lesnar in it and putting both titles in it. And it's not making it any bigger. It's it's just, it's not. No, it's not. It's not, it's not at all. It, it, it's not helping it in any way. In fact, I would make an argument that the reason why, I forgot what WrestleMania was, it 34 maybe, the one that was in New Orleans, um, the Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar main event. You know, people were already tired of seeing them together. But one of the reasons it failed so spectacularly was the overbooking, was because they kept pushing it and pushing it, and they forced it into existence. Reigns, Lesnar, as they were building it prior to day one, and I know I know something happened and WWE had to change its plans, but it's their fault for changing them in a negative way. Um, before day one, it seemed like we were headed to Reigns, Lesnar, and maybe Lesnar would go in as the champion because he'd win it day one or some shenanigans would happen. You know, we don't, we don't exactly know what the booking plan was, but for one title in a huge match with Lesnar as a face that we were all loving and Reigns as a heel that we were all hating, and it was really well booked and it was fine. And it left the other title to Raw. Big E was champion. It could have been Rollins or Lashley. There's a myriad of things they could have done. They could have done a fatal four-way match or something like that for the title. Tons of different options. And instead, they did, to me, like whatever they could do to make it worse. They got people angry by giving the title to Lesnar, then taking it off Lesnar, and probably giving it back to Lesnar. They had both (laughs) of them preview and, and spoil the fact that it's going to be title versus title. And now there's fan resentment that's been created for only because of their booking going into an event that no one had resentment over. We were accepting of Reigns and Lesnar. Now we're resentful of it. That's their fault directly. And they did it all in a one month period of time. Yep, pretty much. And in like even pointing out giving away title versus title before it's happening 
such a strange decision. <laughs> to say but, it like three different times. Yeah. It's just like, oh yeah. my God. So, so frustrating. Hey, let's talk about more frustrating stuff by sliding into the main event. All right, I'm just, it's not going to be all bad, but some of it is. Uh, so my main event this week is all about SmackDown. Our main event, I'm sorry, Chris. This week is all about SmackDown. Um, wait, did I have it all about SmackDown? Yes, I did. Okay, I just wanted to clarify. I got a little confused on how I uh, put some things together here. So let's start off with how SmackDown started off, which was Roman Reigns and the Bloodline opening the show. Paul Heyman said there was no conspiracy to screw Brock Lesnar and that he, Heyman, deserved to be fired and Superman punched by Reigns a couple weeks ago. He explained how he helped Lesnar win the WWE title and said everyone was happy, Lesnar, Reigns, whatever, until Lesnar stupidly challenged Reigns for title versus title and screwed it all up. Heyman got on his knees and said Reigns killing Lesnar got his mind right and showed he has to protect Lesnar from Reigns, not the other way around, like he said weeks ago. Heyman then bragged that there's going to be no title versus title match because Lesnar lost the title, and he said Lesnar will acknowledge Reigns at WrestleMania. Heyman then acknowledged Reigns himself. Now, this part of it, this first half, it was strong from Heyman. Not that mm-hmm. Heyman being strong on the mic is a surprise to anyone. It was a good storyline. It was a good way for them to explain the developments that happened at the Royal Rumble, even if we didn't like them. Reigns not speaking here was a very strange decision, given he's been so vocal throughout this entire heel run. But this also was not the key part of the segment. It was just the entree into it. But for this part of it, I thought Heyman did a fantastic job. Yeah, you're right that it is different. Typically, we just get Roman, you know, saying his thing. We don't need Heyman. That's what made Roman and Heyman so interesting together was that Heyman wasn't talking. So, you know, we get Heyman here, but I hope moving, you know, this isn't a normal thing every week. They just wanted to do it coming out of uh, coming out of the rumble. Uh, so, yeah, you had to explain Paul Heyman had to explain why he did what he did. So now we're there. Yeah. So when Heyman finished, Goldberg's music hit and he got a moderate pop and a light chant at best. His star is clearly fading because, number one, fans are sick of him. He's being overused. And two, he's old. And, you know, every single six month period that you go by, more and more people forget and care less about Goldberg. He acknowledged Reigns as his next victim and challenged him for the title at Elimination Chamber. Now, you all know I hated this. You, you know, I don't have to really go into that. But what particularly sucked about this is that there was zero story. He just demanded a title match. Why not call back to Reigns dipping out of WrestleMania 36? He, he, it's a ready-made story. He did mention it. No, he didn't. Michael Cole mentioned it. Like, oh, maybe I, right. I was going to hate this no matter how they did it. So let's get that straight. Yeah. It's fucking Goldberg. In another championship match, again, getting a title match for no reason, but they could have at least made the effort to tell the obvious story, which actually would have made him stepping up and and getting the match reasonable in kayfabe. It's not bad booking. It's just exceptionally lazy when there's a simple, clear, sensible story right there for him. All they had to do was have Goldberg come out and say, Roman, two years ago, you ducked me at WrestleMania. I never got my opportunity to fight you for the championship. Before you go and fight Lesnar, I demand my opportunity. 
Boom. Now, I still would have hated it, but it would have made 100% complete sense, Chris, in kayfabe. Yes, that was so that was the mania when Goldberg took it off of Fiend and then it was going to be Roman taking it off of Goldberg, right? Right. I never got a chance to fight you at WrestleMania. Yeah. Yes. Who 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 ended up was it Braun, Braun Strowman? Strowman. Braun Strowman yeah. took the title from him then. Okay. Yeah, I mean, look. Right, you're right. We, you didn't take the it wasn't for the ti- it wasn't for him to take the title off Reigns, it was for yeah. them to fight at a major event. Yes. Look, we we I, I feel like every three months we're talking about Goldberg on this podcast. Like because we are, you, and it's a joke. You know our you know our thoughts about Goldberg. Adam pretty much doesn't like anything about it. I I'm okay with Goldberg promos. I don't look forward to the match. And I understand, hey, Saudi Arabia show, that's when you bring back Goldberg, fine. The problem is this Saudi Arabia show is the only pay-per-view between the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. So it's a big, big deal. And to have a spot like that given up to Goldberg is very frustrating. You mentioned the reaction he got. There was pretty clearly, I think, a piped-in Goldberg chant because mm-hmm. it just started out of nowhere and then it just stopped. I thought it was fans, but but even if it was piped in, it was so low that like... Maybe they started it low because they thought fans would chant for him and they could stop it. But man, it was yeah. Terrible. I don't. Know. I will. I will say though, crowd wise, the the raw crowd in Denver was really into the show. So we'll get to that later. But yeah, my my reaction is just like, oh, all right. Well, I guess I don't really need to pay attention to Roman for the next two weeks. At least at least it's only two weeks of build and not a whole month to go. <sighs> But but we shouldn't be saying that. I know, I know. You're of course. Why it, should it, we as fans say, "Oh, we only have to deal with this for for imagine, two more weeks"? Imagine, yeah. Just think of all the spots over the years that that championship matches that could have been given to people who could have had a championship match, and just instead we're doing one of these again, and it doesn't help anybody. Roman has not helped by fighting Goldberg. If the whole point is, hey, it's Saudi Arabia, they love Goldberg, we want to give him Goldberg, fine. Just don't put him in a title match or something like that. Like, well, the Bobby Goldberg match at the last one, that was, was that a non-title? And yes, Bobby but that, that's, the, the title, right? that, yeah. that's the thing, Chris. You make you make a, the good point. The number one thing is, if you're going to do it, do it well. And they didn't even do it well. That That's, my, that's what I'm saying. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't want this. I know they, they wanted to do it. I understand why they're doing it. I don't agree with the, the decision making or the reasoning, but if you're going to do it, make it the best possible feud you can. Allow it to make the most sense it can. Explain to your audience that is paying to watch your product, this is why Goldberg's challenging. He's not just challenging because he's Goldberg. As you just brought up, the best Goldberg match we've had in years was the Bobby Lashley match in November in Saudi Arabia, Blood Money in the Sand at Crown Jewel. Why? It had a full storyline, and it was a non-title match, even though Lashley was champion. This Mm -hmm. is exactly the opposite of that. It's the fifth time in his last six matches that Goldberg is challenging for a world title, and he hasn't deserved any of those opportunities. I know it's Blood Money in the Sand. I know they want legends there. Let him fight anyone else. Let him fight Reigns and give us a legitimate story if you're going to do it. Chris, this is bullshit. And as you said, because we now have to spend the next two weeks saying, oh, we don't have to care about Roman Reigns. And pause here because I'm dropping sound. It was a complete waste of time. Zero point zero. Zero point zero, Mr. Blutarski. 
I'm going to say it's going to get even worse coming out of Elimination Chamber if we're if we're doing Lashley versus Goldberg and we got to go a month and a half of that. So you should be suggesting bad, he wins the title. No, no, no. Oh, he'll lose. And, and, and Lashley will lose the title. And so Lashley has to fight somebody at Mania. And they I, give I us a third part three. And we, we get part three of Goldberg versus Roman. That's going to be absolutely Lashley. brutal. So as bad as the Goldberg stuff is now, there's a real chance two weeks from now. It's worse. I don't think they use Goldberg for WrestleMania. Who's I'm going to guess. Gonna they, I'm going to guess they don't use him. I don't know that. I don't know that I'm right. Here, here's the thing. A Lashley Goldberg match at Mania story wise actually does make sense. It would be a, it would they, it would be a rubber match. It would make complete they did sense. Give, they did give it, you know, a story. I just think that's going to make for a god awful build for a month and a half. You know, if they did it and it was Lashley's match and Lashley wins, it it, it could make some sense at Mania. I but but I just, again, it's yeah. it's just something that fans were over it like. Nobody's watching for Goldberg. No one's watching for Goldberg. And and for whatever, how many people are going to tune in because Goldberg's on the card? Like a thousand right. at this point? Do you need them even? No, you don't. It's it's a it's a five dollar pay per view now on WWE Network. Sorry, premium live event. You're not selling. I mean, maybe maybe. Well, WWE WWE's not making any more money from that. Either well, way. maybe what I'm thinking is now maybe people would buy tickets for him. Parents taking their kids. Oh, Goldberg's on the card. So maybe there are some reasons to put potentially Goldberg on a WrestleMania card. But if it is, if it's a non-title match and not a main event type of situation, it's probably okay. If they did the rubber match with Lashley, that would make some sense. As long as Lashley wins. That's the key. We'll see. Let's get to the second part of the main event, which is still on SmackDown. And it's involving another part-time former MMA champion, uh, Ronda Rousey, except it was Charlotte Flair who opened the main event of SmackDown instead of Rousey. Sonya Deville joined her and <laughs> this um, got so confusing. You know what? I, um, I said, I think when I let us into the main event that at least the main event across both shows was booked well. I'm actually, yeah, I'm walking that back. I don't know what yeah. I was thinking. Now, half of this was good. Half of both of these, the first half of Reigns uh, um, and the second half of Flair Rousey were good. But the other halves of both were horrible. And I'm going to explain to you why this was so confusing and terrible. So Sonia Deville, like just listen to what I'm about to tell you. Sonia Deville says, Becky Lynch told management that Rousey challenged her, Becky Lynch, for WrestleMania. Flair said she's been running WWE while Rousey has been getting pregnant. Flair then said, since Lynch is an undercard compared to me, that's fine. She can fight Rousey on the undercard. I'll pick Sasha Banks to challenge me at WrestleMania. Now, mind you, while this is happening on TV, Becky Lynch tweeted, I did not talk to anyone. What are they talking about? Sonya Deville got catfished. Yeah. So then Rousey makes her entrance. And credit, she got a surprisingly strong pop from the crowd. Mm -hmm. She said, all of this is gossip and bullshit. She said she owed Flared an ass beating. And when she said that, actually got medium chance from the crowd, which was pretty good. Rousey said Flair is not special. She's just first and challenged her for Mania. Flair said she's the main event. So she's excited. She's in the main event of WrestleMania. And not only was the title her baby, it was prettier than Rousey's baby, her, her real baby. 
which by the way, I thought was a pretty damn good line. So credit for that. That pissed Ronda off. DeVille told Rousey, she runs SmackDown, not the other way around. Rousey pushed her out of the way. So DeVille jumped on her back. Rousey then hit her full judo slam, plus the arm bar on Sonya to end the show. So if the first half of this, Chris, sounded completely convoluted, that's because it was. I can't stress how nonsensical it was for them to invent a fake conversation. It didn't add anything to the storyline. It didn't accomplish anything in kayfabe. All it did was for no reason whatsoever have Charlotte throw Sasha's name out there into the world and she wasn't even in attendance. So there was no reason that I could tell for them to even mention Sasha Banks. I will say, once Rousey came out, the second half was way better than her Raw segment. It was eons better. Rousey had a simple line. Flair hit her really hard with the baby quip and Ronda took action physically. So the first half was bad. The second half was good if we were like grading it that way. And Rousey got chance. Plus the announcement worked. It did pop the crowd. But dude, Rousey as a face is obviously not ideal because even though it worked here, I do not think fans are going to consistently cheer for her all the way down the road to WrestleMania. And that's going to affect her performance because we've seen it affect her performance, not just in WWE, but in UFC as well. This whole thing is, it's weird because we all know that Ronda Becky kind of feels like the bigger match. But Absolutely. And they're even kind of acknowledging that. <laughs> but we also all know that if it's Ronda Becky, Becky's going to demolish her on the mic and everyone's going to rally behind Becky and cheer her. And they're not going to do that for Charlotte. So that's basically what I think it's going to be. It's going to be just booing Charlotte for the next two months almost. And you know, Rousey getting... F- being a face because of the negative reaction to Charlotte. Yeah, that's the only way they're going to do it, which eh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, Ronda was obviously better than she was on, on Raw. She smiled more. She was projecting more in her promo. Mm-hmm. Still not great, but it was better. Her lines were um, better, too. I think, more. I think frankly, we just got to get Ronda in matches and just beat some people up again. Like, that's the, that's the only way you're going to, I think, build to this is Ronda's just mowing down people and saying, I'm coming for you, Charlotte. Like, we, we can't have Charlotte just sarcastically making fun of Ronda for two months. It's not going to work, so. Let me it's, interrupt you. Let me interrupt yeah. you, because I, I need your take on a specific part of this. Am I crazy about how convoluted this thing came across? Like, 100%. I, I was, that's what I was going to say. Okay, I wrote down in my notes, final segment was so confusing. Supposed to build to a surprise that she's picking Charlotte, but we still didn't get a why. We still don't really know why she's picking Charlotte. She keeps talking about Becky. So why is she picking Charlotte? We didn't really get that unless you just because she, she made the comment about the baby after she had already picked her. After, so, right. yeah, she basically said, Charlotte, you're not special. Yeah. And you think so you're special. And you I, basically, her. she's going to she's trying to ground her in reality is, is the reasoning, yeah. it seems like. But you have Becky talking shit about her and she's still talking shit about her. Monday yeah. night on Raw. And then again, you have Charlotte Flair mention Sasha Banks. So why would you even tease Flair Banks, which most of your audience would prefer, by the way? Yes. Yep. Um, what's the purpose of that? Like maybe they throw it to us before they give it to us on a SmackDown between now and also, Mania. But yeah. Flair's obviously going to win. So you're giving away the winner of the match. I, I guess there's a scenario in which they do a triple threat. Maybe. 
But then that, that then that downgrades the whole idea. But people are going people are going to get behind uh, Sasha. Sasha, totally, she'd be the face, and it would yeah. downgrade the whole idea of winning the Royal Rumble. You know, getting your 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 championship match. So well, I mean, they did that last year. Edge won it, but Dana Bryan got in. Yeah, and Roman Reigns retained the title. Right. It, so, it's it's it it it's. I just don't understand. No matter what you explain or no matter what anyone else explains to me, I cannot understand why Sonya Deville made up a fake story about Becky Lynch talking to management. Again, that's the same thing. I I don't know. In kayfabe, are we saying she did get catfished? I don't know. Like, and you made the, I think you might've tweeted it during the show, which was Charlotte entered the rumble for the right to pick her opponent. And then, didn't the win. segment starts off didn't win, and then the segment starts off with Charlotte picking her opponent. <laughs> so at the time, had this had Ronda not picked her, was is that what we were gonna? gonna is that what the plan was? Well, I, I, so, I'm never I'm never against a champion picking their opponent. Like no, they they do it that, in New Japan all the time, where sure the the champion wins, defends the title, and calls out the next opponent. And yeah. when it's someone, and when you're choosing someone like a Sasha Banks or a Bailey or an Oscar or, or Bianca Belair or Rhea Ripley, the top tier then I'm okay with that, right? She can say, look, we have history. She She's a main eventer. She main evented last year. I'm going to take her down just like Bianca Belair did. Like that would have been totally fine on its own if Ronda did choose Becky. But I just don't understand why they felt, whoever wrote this segment, that adding in a fake story about Becky telling management Ronda picked her, how they thought that, advanced the storyline or helped tell the story here. It, 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 it literally was, yeah. did not add anything. All they did was no. say that didn't happen. So it's like, okay, then why'd you say it? Why'd you say it in the first place? And then they were trying, they were trying to build up drama in the surprise of Rhonda picking Charlotte because when she didn't pick Becky and said, you'll get my answer Friday. Well, yeah, no shit. She's picking Charlotte. That, that's the whole point. I mean, if but, anything, it should yeah, have, it was, if, if anything, they should have done. She does that. And Rhonda comes to the ring and says, what the hell is this? I didn't announce anything. I didn't talk to management. Sonia, are you working with Charlotte? Are you trying to get Charlotte out of a match with me? That's how you do it. If you're if you're sure. going to create a fake scenario, you have the baby face come out and say, why are you trying to get out of a match with me? You're using management to try to get me into a match that I didn't choose. Screw you. I'm challenging you at WrestleMania. Then you get the pop. Mm-hmm. The fans understand that, Sonia and Charlotte are working together. We actually have proof in the past that they work together. Ronda overcomes the psychological or back backhanded uh, backstage tactics and chooses the heel and gets the match. That is how you lay this out. They just ignored the second part of it. I, yeah, I, I couldn't. I couldn't fathom it. It, 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 it was weird. We've 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 probably gone. We probably have, but I was so. There's nothing. There's nothing that angers me more. I mean, short matches and bad booking. You know, things get me pissed off. But there's nothing that angers me more than truly nonsensical storytelling, especially when it doesn't need to be. And that's why this pissed me off. Especially when it's the main event of. And it's your main event, your main storyline on for the women. Yeah, it's gonna main event night one of WrestleMania, and you can't figure out how to tell the story. Yep. (sighs) Frustrating as hell. Uh, So. This show has gotten off on a pretty negative note, but I am going to tell you when we move on to our next segment, there's going to be a lot of good coming up in the good, the bad, and the ugly. 
get funny and them days ain't sunny. We showing you the good, the bad, the ugly, and this is for the hood. All right, so let's stick with the women, uh, just the main event women at least. We had Lita confront Becky Lynch. Lita got a great reaction on Raw. As you said, in Denver, crowd was incredible. There was also like 6,500 people there, which is really, it's like double the size of a normal Raw crowd these days. So maybe that's part of the reason why. Uh, Lynch came out. She was dressed pretty normal for a change, which was cool, and said it was nice to hear her teenage idol was putting her over. Becky said she probably wouldn't exist without Lita, but now that she does, Lita has no business being in WWE, especially because she's trying to take her title. Lita said the fans were the reason that she came back. They're the ones who are, you know, giving her the backbone, I guess, to give this whole thing a second chance, go for one last run in wrestling. Becky then attacked her. She won a short brawl, but she went back for the manhandle slam. Lita reversed it, hit a twist of fate, and then hit her moonsault. And it was probably the best moonsault she's hit in like 15 years, by the way, uh, to end the segment on top. Lita ended it on top. The start of the attack was weak, but it ended strong. And I thought the promo segment between both of them was extremely solid and way better than last week. Definitely sold this hot shot match. I do badly want to see Becky Lynch and Lita. This was good. This was great. Lita had a great promo. Becky saying, you know, basically, don't meet your heroes type of thing. I'm going to I'm going to tear you down just like I tore down all my friends, all my family, like all that. Like it was a really underrated promo from Becky, basically explaining her heel turn and trying to stay at this level. It was really good. And Lita was great. Lita should be treated like Brock Lesnar coming back. She is a huge deal to wrestling fans. The pop was huge, like you said. And guess what? I haven't done this in a while, but I go to the WWE YouTube page to see kind of what got the most views and what most people Mm. were interested in. Mm -hmm. The Lita Becky segment has the most views of anything on Raw on their YouTube page. Good. Like, she should this I think should have opened the show uh, or, or closed the show or something like like it was really really good I'm going to be way more interested in this that I don't know what we don't obviously it's the elimination chamber but really hope this is the start of of, of a uh, more for Lita something in mania because she looked like she never left she was great the only thing I'll say is I hope she's okay it seemed like she may have gotten hurt on that moonsault she kept grabbing her jaw afterward like several times. So I hope she's okay. But it, it was a good looking moonsault. Great segment. Loved everything about this. Lita rules. And she needs to be treated like an absolute superstar coming back. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, you're right. She has that. Like w- what Becky said in the promo was true. Lita, Trish Stratus, a couple others set the stage for the four horsewomen and this new generation of women's wrestlers. Lita is a five-tool player like Becky Lynch's. And not all of the women's wrestlers from back in the day, in fact, most of them were not like that. Lita certainly was. And you saw it right here. She would have, if she was Becky's age, if she was in her 30s right now, she would fit right in with the women's division in WWE. And that's a huge compliment for her. Uh, MVP did a uh, Paul Heyman-style intro for Bobby Lashley. As if you didn't already know that Lesnar would take the title at Elimination Chamber. This was a hometown show from La- for Lashley. He's from Boulder, Colorado. Did he go to the University of Colorado as well? He he did. Air Force I Academy? I, I looked him up. I think he went to some small school. Well, he was I in the Air Force Academy also, right? So, uh, I don't know if it was like in college. In college, okay. But his whole life he, is Colorado, basically. That's he, he, by the way, he was in the Army. He went to Missouri oh, Valley Army. College. Of course. And he, he went to Missouri, Missouri Valley College. 
Of course he was in the army. I to- of course. So totally forgot about that. Uh, but yes, his whole life is Boulder, Colorado, and, and it's something that he always references a lot. So it was as close to a hometown show as you're going to get. MVP credited Lesnar for winning the Rumble, but said injecting him into the chamber match is a joke. No shit. Uh, he also said Lesnar would lose that match. MVP, MVP put over the rest of the challengers, but called Lashley a monster. Uh, Lashley got light chance and said he hopes that they're the final two again in the match so he can pin him. Then he got loud chance as he promised to defend his title at WrestleMania. I thought this was a really strong segment. Nothing remarkable, but I liked how MVP put everyone over and Lashley sounded extremely confident, even though his promo wasn't that great. I'm going to give myself a bad for screwing up Air Force Academy and the Army for Lashley, but I'm going to give this segment a good. Yeah, it was it was fine. It was, it was good. It wasn't great. There was obviously it was just sitting there doing a promo and it was basically just MVP putting everybody over and Lashley getting some hometown cheers. So it was fine. I was a little frustrated in just the bigger picture of like, again, Brock's not here and you're not getting Lashley like in a match. It's, it's, it's kind of a, a letdown for your big storyline. This is supposed to be your top storyline on Raw. And this is all we got. So yeah, but you, like, you know, eh. you know what, dude? Uh, this is what this is the difference I'm going to say. WWE efforts to get its champions on TV every week. Like WWE does a lot of things wrong, but the people that hold the championships, they get them on TV. And it's one yes. thing that AEW does not do. Yes, you know how many correct. weeks there were where like champion Chris Jericho or Kenny Omega or John Moxley yeah. were not on TV. No, yeah. uh, Britt Baker misses consistently. And even when she is, many times it's just a backstage promo right. segment as women's champion. WWE gets its champions in front of its audience. And I appreciate that. And the other thing I liked, the reason why this was good, is MVP did exactly what Paul Heyman always does. He built up every single person in the title match without downgrading yes. them and said, mm-hmm. but my guy is going to win anyway. It, it nailed everything for me. Yeah, no, it made sense. I, I, it's just we're, we only have one Raw before the show now. And and so th- right. there was... It, is there a chance for just Lashley to have a dominating win and then say, this is what I'm going to do to Brock? I think so. It wasn't, it was good. It was a good segment. I just, it, it, the timing of it, like this being the big story and this is all we got was kind of like, eh. I wouldn't have hated him in a match, but you don't really want him to beat anyone in that match already. So it would have had to be no. someone else like T-Bar or, you know, like they would have had to throw I, I, him. I'm someone. somewhat like, like, look, this is the problem with AEW that I want my, I want a fighting champion whether they're a heel or a face, they need to just have non-title matches every couple of weeks and just beat people so you remember how dominant they are and not just promos, maybe a tag match, and then right. they only do their singles matches. I mean, so that 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 type of stuff. And we just we generally haven't gotten that with Lashley since the New Day stuff. We don't get that with Brock. We don't really get it with Roman. So I think they could add. That is true. The women do it more, but the men don't. That, that women do it all the time. Yeah. yeah. The women fight all the time. Uh, okay, uh, RK Bro versus Alpha Academy in a quiz bowl. This opened raw. It was 2-2 with Riddle getting both of his questions right at the beginning. Chad Gable complained, so Randy Orton goaded him into letting Otis answer a question. Otis actually got his right. Then they stole a point, and the heels led 4-2. Gable got a Shakespeare question wrong, and Riddle stole that to pop the crowd. That made it 4-3. And then the four athletes in the ring finally took sports very late in this. I didn't understand why they didn't, didn't take sports the first category or second category with the Denver crowd answering the obvious John Elway uh, to make it 4-4. The last question was very appropriate and obvious when you saw it on the board metric units. And it was how many grams are there in an ounce? Gable got it wrong. 
but Orton answered instead of Riddle, which really popped the crowd. He did flub a line that was supposed to be, Riddle, you're not the only one who bakes, bro. But nevertheless, they got it right, and they did earn a number one contendership. Now, considering what this segment was, this was probably the best it possibly could have been executed, right? Like, a quiz bowl is not going to get a five-star rating. You know what I mean? It's, it's not wrestling. It's just an entertainment segment on a wrestling show. But I can't imagine this being any better than it actually was. Riddle and Orton were great together. Gable played the crybaby heel perfectly. He acted like Dennis from Always Sunny in that his facial expressions when he got things wrong and the way he reacted to the buzzer sounding as if it caused him physical pain internally. (laughs) He was rolling around on the ground. Gable was incredible. Plus the faces got the title match and that's ultimately what we wanted. For me, this was an easy call as good. They've done a great job booking this entire thing. Gable is so over as a heel. And yes, Mm -hmm. I did think it was funny that in Denver, Colorado, Colorado being a state where marijuana is legal, that they constantly referenced it and actually spent more time with Randy Orton referencing it than Riddle, which I found to be particularly entertaining. Well, so this was good. Yeah, it's a good. I mean, the Colorado thing, like a lot of the things WWE, WWE does, like culture wise, are like five years late, sure. like sure. doing the freak Seth freaking Rollins. Like that's not a thing anymore. And a lot of states allow marijuana use now, but still, it, this was absolutely good. It went a bit long, but it was still entertaining the whole way. The crowd was really into it. Gable continues to be an absolute star. He controlled that segment. I mean, Kevin, what's his name? Kevin Patrick or something? Yeah. He's he's the moderator, but it was really Gable. Gable was the one directing that whole thing for the yep. most part. He he continues to be just funny and getting good heat and just man, the 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 Thank you. And then the shushing and just like WWE actually put together, I think, a video of his shushing. So they they they, they uh, on Twitter or something like that. So they continue to uh, be behind him. So, yeah, this was really funny. Look, again, we, we say it every week, like sports entertainment can be good when you do it well. So some of the Johnny Knoxville stuff was good. Some of it wasn't this this RK bro uh, Alpha Academy bits every couple of weeks. They've been good. And and I, I think it's adding to the dynamic, the, the friendship between Randy and Orton. It's adding to, uh, it's giving heat to Gable and Otis. So this continues to be great stuff. Sports entertainment is completely acceptable. Professional wrestling is completely acceptable. You can have both on the show. Yes. In fact, the best wrestling shows actually do have both. This mm-hmm. was totally appropriate. It was necessary uh, to open the show because it was a com- quote unquote commercial free first hour where they still aired commercials. They just weren't non-wrestling or sci-fi commercials, but um, it was necessary to open. It was very entertaining. You're right in that a lot of states, marijuana is legal, sure, but Colorado was like the first or second. So for recreational use. So there was a reason why um, it, it in particular is known and thought of that way. It entirely worked for me. It was very good. They also followed it up immediately with Alpha Academy versus Street Profits in a non-title match. The Prophets talked trash after the Quiz Bowl loss. They made some weed puns themselves. Gable issued a challenge. Montez Ford hit his Superman tope. Angelo Dawkins tried to counter the ankle lock, but Gable folded him in half for the one, two, three in five minutes. Gable got busted open in the match. It was also Gable's first pinfall or submission victory 
on WWE television since, wait for it, 2019. So you say, hey, is the comedy stuff getting Gable over? Not only is it getting Gable over with the crowd, clearly booking and management is saying, okay, we can get behind this guy. Let's start building him up. They give him a pin call Mm -hmm. victory. Is that a very minor thing? Yes, it is. But it's something we've been talk. I've been talking about on this show ad nauseum that this guy he should be getting pushed. He should really be a mid card champion at some point soon, and he should have already been. Um, but now it seems like they're finally freaking figuring it out, and for me, that's exciting. But what yeah, pissed me you, off? Well, real quick to your point there, uh, to, off of what I said, it feels like they are starting to think Gable is the bigger deal out of the two of the Alpha yes. Academy. Correct. And Correct. I mean, I love them both. I want them both to get that. But it's for a while, it was Otis doing all the, Otis getting all the yep. accolades, getting the pins. So Gable getting, you know, a, a special video on the WWE Twitter account, getting uh, the pinfall here, getting more mic time. They're clearly behind him right now. And that's great. They're, you're, you're exactly right. They are finally understanding he is the A player. He's the A side of the team and Otis is the B side. And there's nothing wrong with that for Otis because that's really what he is. But they're finally understanding it. And it took like nine months or however long this team has existed for them to figure that out. The negative on this segment was this was in a commercial free first hour of the show. And it was only a five minute match. The Prophets, Gable, Otis, these guys can go. What is the rush? But it was good to see the champions win. It was good to see Gable get the clean fall. So guess what? I'm saying good. There was just no reason to rush it. It's so stupid to do that. Yep, totally agree. Okay. Uh, now sticking with all of these people later in the show, we had Riddle versus Seth Rollins. This was a main event singles match. Uh, Orton told Riddle not to worry about the tag team title match yet backstage because he could win the WWE championship at elimination chamber. That was a huge opportunity that he needed to take full advantage of. I liked that they were acknowledging that and saying, Hey, yeah, the titles, the tag team title match is going to happen. You have something more important that you need to deal with. And that Randy supported him. It was really smart altogether. It seems like we're going to have an RK Broga party next week. I'm sure that'll be another fun segment. Rollins later did his normal shtick and said his goal is to main event WrestleMania for the first time, because obviously the only time he's done it was when he cashed in Money in the Bank. As far as the match, the match was the main event of Raw. It started with 22 minutes left. Rollins bombed Riddle into the barricade right at the bell. Riddle later hit an exploder and a floating bro off the apron. This thing was on absolute fire. The crowd was getting amped up. They were so excited. And then Kevin Owens attacked Riddle from the crowd after six minutes, forcing a disqualification. So then Randy Orton came in and made the save with an RKO. So they restarted the match, of course, as RK Bro versus Rollins and Owens with nine minutes left in the show after commercial. Owens backdropped Rollins into the announce table. Riddle singled out, but avoided a Rollins frog splash. The crowd was on its feet and popping really hard through the finish here. Orton got the hot tag. Rollins ate the draping DDT, but hit Riddle with both forearms and the stomp for the win. So a reminder, this was a singles match, Riddle versus Rollins, made into a tag team match that finished with Riddle versus Rollins. So let's get one thing straight. The action in both of these matches was great, okay? But the point of doing a disqualification and then a restart is if you want to ensure that neither of the guy, or at least one of the guys in the singles match does not eat the L. You want to make sure that Rollins or Riddle wins the match and doesn't pin the other guy. Except 
That's exactly what they did. Rollins beat Riddle anyway. So what the hell was the point of stopping an absolute fire singles match that could have gone for 22 minutes and we would have, I would have given, who the hell knows, an A probably, 4.5 or better. I can't even imagine them not giving us a match that quality. It was going in that direction. So instead of getting one 22 minute match that burns the house down and sets the crowd on fire, they give us a six minute match, a commercial and a nine minute match. It's like they specifically and purposely did this to piss me off. Now, I'm going to say good because the fans loved it. They were literally on their feet cheering and going crazy for the final five minutes. The wrestling in both parts of the match, the two matches were fantastic. But holy shit, is that idiotic decision making. This is a paradigm of WWE stupidity. They actively hurt even the best stuff they put together. They ha- And on top of all of this, Chris, they had their brand new number one contenders in RK Bro take a loss as a yes. team. I was going to say the night they became number one contenders, as opposed to Riddle just losing to Rollins, which would have been fine and people would have forgotten about. So every booking decision they made in this match was wrong, yet somehow it was still endlessly entertaining and very good action. Yeah, you, you, you split it up well. It was fun. Wrestling was good. Crowd was in it. Hey, I've got my TV on. I've got Goldberg on my TV right now. He's doing that uh, Dodge commercial. So maybe that's why he's back in WWE. Horrible commercial, He's, by he's, the way. he's getting that money everywhere. Um, yeah, it, look, crowd was into it. You know, if they, if, this had, if they had just scheduled the tag match and you did that, you're like, all right, fine, it makes sense. But that, to tease us the singles match that we want to see and not give us that, but then kind of give us that, but not really give us that, like, like uh, just like... Pick something and do it. Don't try to do everything. And yeah, KO, KO had the match against Austin Theory earlier. So he had two matches on this show, particularly speaking. And look, the idea is the idea that Owens and Rollins, Owens is trying to save their friendship or trying to prove his friendshipness worth to Rollins or something. I don't know. You could just have Owens interfere and win Rollins the match. That protects Riddle more than a tag match does. We'd complain, oh, it's annoying to get that kind of finish. But if they gave us a 20-minute match. Oh, yeah, you know, like, for sure. We, Owens we, distracts we, at we, the we, end and, and and Rollins hits the stomp and wins. Totally fine. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, yes. again, it, we're, look, it was it was good. It was it was fine. It was just, like, frustrating that they so often will, like, give us, offer us up something great and then instead just give us something good. They so. They put on a silver platter for me a piece of Kobe beef and they cooked it not just well done, but dry. Like it was still a very high quality piece of meat, but it was presented in maybe the worst possible way. I want medium, maybe medium rare. I don't want well done. Even if it's juicy, I don't want well done. And that's what it was. That's actually the better example. It was a juicy, but well done steak. No one wants that. That is not preferred. Now, is there a reason? No. There's not, because if they were saving Riddle versus Rollins for a WWE championship match at WrestleMania, then I would say, I totally understand why they did it this way, but they're not doing that. So there's no reason to do it this way. And and to the other point, Rollins and Owens should be number one contenders to the tag team championships, and Kevin Owens is number one contender to the US championship. So, And we're going to talk about that coming up in a bit, about Kevin Owens being the number one contender to the U.S. championship, which I don't think he is anymore, even though... I, I don't think he is either. Even though he should be, for all 
yeah. reasons. Okay, so yeah. let's let's keep going because we're going to talk about Kevin Owens and then we're going to talk about the U.S. Championship. So we had Kevin Owens versus Austin Theory. Uh, before the match, Seth Rollins was upset. KO wasn't in the chamber match. Owens said, he's so good, he's so popular. He'll beat Theory. He'll probably earn his way back into the match. He was very confident about that. Rollins said he supports Owens, but uh, KO checked to make sure Rollins wasn't lying. Rollins laughed and said, he's a lot of things, but he's not a liar. So in the match, Owens avoided the same stair shot as last week. This was a rematch, by the way. Then did a running senton off the stairs in a great spot. Then he had a cannonball and a frog splash off the apron. The crowd was fully behind him as a face. Theory avoided a pop-up powerbomb. Then Owens avoided the ATL. Owens took Theory off the top with an avalanche somersault fireman's carry slam. I think it's called the Green Bay Plunge, regardless. Uh, But Theory got his knees up later on a senton bomb. Owens caught Theory's rolling dropkick with a superkick and then hit the stunner for the win in 10 minutes. Another week, another great match between these two guys. I don't even mind the 50-50 booking because KO is not going to work blood money in the sand. So they needed a way to get Theory into the chamber match. But here they gave Owens his win back because look, he is the upper mid Carter and he is the guy who should be beating Theory. Just look at how Theory has gotten made over the last few weeks, especially in these last two weeks with Kevin Owens, right? And compare that to these other five minute shit fests that we keep getting on television. Mm-hmm. This is a match that gets the crowd excited. The crowd was amped up for the entire thing. It gets Owens over as the winner and it gets Theory over as the guy that took him to his limit in a 10 minute match. Obviously you can tell I thought this was good. Also, Theory got new theme music that I think is actually pretty catchy it has the opening, which we always like, where like there's a sound or a saying or something to kick off the theme that gets the crowd going and you know who it is. The song had lyrics. I have to listen to it like clean on its own. It seemed to be a pretty good improvement and like a positive change. And yeah, I really liked this entire thing. We'll talk about what happened after in a minute. But for this, it was good. I gave it 3.5 stars and a B. Very fun match. I didn't catch the new music. I'm going to have to go. I'm going to have to go back and listen to it, too. Um this was great. Like, like this is the perfect example of like, if WWE just has a little bit of patience, it will do the right thing. Give Austin theory, instead of giving Austin theory, Vince McMahon segments or short little, whatever selfie, you know, interference stuff. Give him a 10 minute match with Kevin Owens or an AJ styles where he looks really strong and people will take him seriously. I take Austin Theory completely seriously now because he has taken AJ Styles and Kevin Owens to the limit, beat him, beat Kevin Owens. And so, like, and they, they made a point commentary. There was one part of the camera who zoomed in on his face after something, and they're like, we haven't seen the side of Austin Theory before. There's something like that. And I was like, yeah, th- there's more intensity now. Like, I believe in him. I, I think this is a real person now and not some caricature. And, yeah. Like, this is how you get people to pay attention to Austin Theory. This is how you get people to pay attention to anybody you want to pay Anyone. attention to. Anyone like, you want. You, yeah. This is how you build somebody. Give them a little bit of time and trust them that they know what they're doing. And clearly, Austin Theory is doing that. Yeah, and, and you can tell when WWE is behind someone. Like, this guy's 24, and he's getting this. Whereas, you know, Damian Priest and AJ Styles get five minutes. And we're Yeah, exactly. That's anymore. a complete opposite. It's a complete opposite. It's, uh, it, of, it is the how you get someone behind someone. Yeah. It, yep. Totally right. So the way this whole thing finished was Owens went backstage. He followed up on what he said. He asked Adam Pierce and Sonia to take Theory's spot in the chamber match because he beat him. They said, hey, the decisions from last week are final. He argued. 
And they suggested, hey, man, you even being at WrestleMania isn't guaranteed. Then he went on a rant about loving Texas so much and a lot of his career being made in Texas. He begged them to reconsider. I thought this was decently interesting. I'm not sure why they'd randomly keep him off the WrestleMania card, as I mentioned earlier, especially when, at least in my mind, coming into this edition of Raw, he was still the number one contender for the United States Championship, or at least he was supposed to be. But I am kind of curious to see where this whole thing ultimately goes with KO. Well, he, he's he's going to be on there. Like they made they made such a point of it. Of course, Kevin Owens can't not be on it. He'll be there. And I gotta say, as 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 a citizen of the state of Texas, the the people of Texas do love Kevin Owens. <laughs> Deep in the heart of Texas, we are we are KO maniacs here. So I'm interested to see where it goes. It was a nice little tease of like, all right, something's. Something's in the works with, with, with KO, so looking forward to see where it goes. So let's follow up on the United States Championship, because we had Damian Priest versus AJ Styles in a championship contenders match. They had some really great uh, sequences in this where they countered each other. They did it a couple times. Styles hit a phenomenal forearm as Priest was running the ropes, which was a really cool looking spot to beat the champion clean in five minutes. Priest got angry and it looked like he was going to turn into Damian after the match, but the camera was so close up to his face it was really hard to see. It was like yeah. so close to his face. You could only see from his cheek to his like forehead. I it, didn't it understand felt, why they were doing that. It felt like in this, I don't know if it was in this show specifically, but they made a point to do a lot of very close ups. I just mentioned the Austin Theory yeah. one. It, it, it was a theme in this episode. So Priest, who again, folks, was undefeated for a year, has now lost three straight matches and four of his last five. He already had a number one contender in Owens. You'll remember Owens won the championship contenders match. I think it was by disqualification. No, he pinned him. He pinned him. And then he won the U.S. championship match by disqualification, which you would think would mean he'd get another championship opportunity. But now he's lost to Owens and he's lost to Styles. And on top of all of this, this was Priest's shortest singles match at five minutes. I don't even like, I think since at least October, but maybe even well before that. So this is a guy who on WWE TV had been getting 11, 12, 13-minute matches. He was getting treated like Austin Theory was. They were building him up. And now they've just, I don't know if they've given up on him or what's happened. But look, at this point, the short matches in WWE are unavoidable. The problem here is despite them having strong work with a pretty inventive finish over five minutes, I have to say bad because unlike the other matches where I criticized the booking, it was so bad here, the booking. None of it makes any sense. They're actively hurting a guy who was completely over with the fans, who had a gimmick that was totally working. Did it? Did his live forever shooting a bow and arrow gimmick, does, did it make any sense? No. Does this gimmick theoretically make more sense than that one did? Yes, but it's a horrible gimmick. It's not getting him over. It's actively hurting a guy who was already your champion. And I tweeted this. Whoever is responsible for booking Damian Priest should go to jail because they are actively taking a guy who was at least getting moderate cheers, who opened Raw one week and did the whole welcome to Monday Night Raw and I think challenged Drew McIntyre and had a great mm-hmm. match. They mm-hmm. took this guy. Got a, and got a handshake. Got a handshake. Got a handshake. Got put over by Drew McIntyre, the former champion, and they've made him into a joke. Now there's a title match next week. If they change the title and Styles wins, I can see it making sense because maybe they have a a program for WrestleMania in mind for Styles where the title comes into play. I hoped it was going to be Styles and Edge, but maybe not. But 
holy shit, was this bad. Like, I liked the, the work, but if it was over 15 minutes and Styles pulled it out, I would have said, okay, in five minutes to beat a champion and treat him this poorly, I cannot go good. I have to say bad. Yeah, I mean, the work was fine, but the overall booking is is bad. And it's like, this is an example of having zero patience and not being able to get out of your own way when trying to create a character. Like this, the the the, the two sides of Damian Priest thing came out of nowhere. It went on for like a month. They didn't explain why this was happening. And now he starts losing matches. Nobody has cared about him at all for any of this. This dude needs a very hard reset. Needs to get him off for a few weeks. Change it. Go back. Just like, holy, holy cow. You know what? He should be seeing the psychiatrist, not Alexa Bliss. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't like that, but yeah, something. It would make more sense, though, because, you know, he had a character change out of nowhere. You go, you fix it. Oh, my God. You, you, I mean, you, you made all the, you made all the points about where he used to be and where he is now. And I just, for the life of me, I cannot understand the decision-making at all. Who, who in the right mind thinks, all right, we've got Damien Priest at a certain level. I know what's going to get him to that next level. We're going to just give him a dual personality out of nowhere and not explain it. Like, what is the, what is the thought process there? And he's still the United States champion. Like, why, why does this man have the belt? He lost to Kevin Owens and, just didn't get a number one contendership out of that. Now he's lost. I am praying that AJ Styles wins next week. So we finally get Damien Priest off to doing something else. And the U S title can finally mean something again. It's been months where I just keep forgetting it exists. That's the biggest problem. It would have been one thing if Priest lost his first match in a year, dropped the title, and then they changed his character. He snaps And now all of a sudden he has a dual personality. Like if there was a reason Mm -hmm. for it, then it would have made total sense. I still wouldn't have liked it, but then he would no longer be champion if he lost matches via DQ or count out or whatever. It doesn't hurt him because he's no longer champion and he's already lost. He's already had that moment taken away from him. But they're doing all of this while he's champion. It does not make a shred of sense. It is exactly like what they did with Karrion Cross. Slightly Mm -hmm. different because Cross wasn't already on the main roster when they did it. But they took Cross, they took a guy who, you know, wasn't working in NXT. A lot of people didn't like him, whatever. But the gimmick was fine. He had Scarlet. She looked good. They had an aura about them. It was a decent character that they could move over. And they brought him over. And for no reason whatsoever, they took Scarlet, his wife, away from him and gave him this extremely strange gladiator mask and a red X across his chest. And then they fired him a couple months later because of their own fault, because they because he couldn't get over and they didn't understand why it's because of what you did to him. Damian Priest isn't heading in that direction just yet, but he ain't heading in a good direction. They are actively hurting and ruining this guy. And I try not it, to say that about people. Brutal. It's brutal. No, it, it's a hundred percent on, not on him. It's on the booking, which is just some of the worst I can remember taking someone that was in a solid place and just completely flushing it down the toilet. It's and all for an unnecessary reason without any good storyline reason on top of it. Uh, we had Bianca Belair versus Nikki Ash. Belair hit a fallaway slam, but sold an injured knee. Then she did a muscled up vertical suplex while simultaneously selling the knee. It was actually really well done by her. Then she hit the KOD on one leg for the win in three minutes over Nikki Ash. I like the booking to make the win more impressive, but you know what's more impressive than winning on one leg? Winning a hard fought eight minute match with good action in it. This was pathetic. 
at least it's as equally bad as the men these days. Like the women get short matches, but they're no shorter than the men's matches are at this point. This was bad. Yeah, I had no real thoughts. It was just kind of whatever. Do, do, on this point, do we want to talk right now about the Elimination Chamber? We are going to, but not yet. Via Twitter because it involves these two people. Yep. So, well, yeah, no, I had it, no, I just, I had no reaction to any of this. I was just like, all right. Well, it, I guess it's, I guess it's a bad, but yeah. That match involves two other people who I'm going to talk about now. Then we can talk about Elimination Chamber. We had Liv Morgan against Zudrop on the show. Liv cut a mm-hmm. promo about losing the women's title match, almost breaking her, but still being motivated to win the chamber. Morgan kicked out of a running senton. She had a double springboard drop kick, kept up, threw Dewdrop into the turnbuckles, and hit an assisted springboard code breaker for a near fall. Dewdrop caught her with a glam slam all the way from her shoulders for a 2.5, and then Dewdrop eventually caught her with the Vader bomb for the win in eight minutes. Unlike the Bel Air-Nikki match, I thought this one was great. Liv was completely over. She got a huge reaction from the crowd, but Dewdrop got the appropriate win, as she probably should, in this match. It was the exact opposite of the match we just talked about. This shit is really not hard. Just give them seven, eight minutes and let them wrestle. I gave this three stars and a B minus and I th- thought it was good. Yeah, it was good. Again, like it just, when Dewdrop shows up on my screen, I am interested. Yeah. You know, as much as we hate the, the, the name, I like the entrance theme, like where it just starts with do, 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 do drop and, and that kind of poppy, you know, electric type of thing. Um, I'm all about everything Dewdrop's doing right now. I, I, I really like this. I I, I think so, some people made this point on Twitter. When Liv Morgan came out, her bio or whatever that was on the side of the screen included grew up a WWE fan. <laughs> so I was like, I think you can come up with I think they also said like bought her mom a house, which was great. But it was just like, it was a weird one to include on there. Just a little thing. But yeah, this was good. It was exactly what it should have been, you know, Dewdrop should win this match like that. And uh, yeah, it was good. They put really weird shit on those bios sometimes. I think they even did weird stuff on one for Roman Reigns recently. It was just... on, on Riddle. They said he's like very cosmic or something like that. So <laughs> ridiculous. Some of them, I think they might be just like ribs or whatever. to Try to pop some people. But uh, maybe. Yeah, it's worth looking at. As you alluded to, they booked an Elimination Chamber match for the women. Bianca Belair, Nikki Ash, Rhea Ripley, Dewdrop and a mystery woman the winner of which will face Becky Lynch for the Women's Championship, Raw Women's Championship at WrestleMania. Now, this is actually exciting. Like, I'm down for this match. Uh, Women's Elimination Chamber is good. The women in this match can all wrestle. There's not really a weak link. If anyone, maybe you would say it's Liv Morgan, I guess, but she's not even a weak link anymore. Maybe Nikki, I guess, would be at this point. Um, I'm extremely excited. The mystery woman, I have no idea who it's going to be, uh, simply because... I don't think it's going to be Alexa Bliss. With her on screen so frequently, it's not really a surprise if she shows up in the match. For that reason, I'm going to predict it's Asuka, but it would kind of suck for Asuka to make her surprise return in Saudi Arabia at Blood Money in the Sand, as opposed to like in front of an American crowd that could really pop for her, right? Because that crowd, it's very, sometimes it's good, but it's usually very like, demure you know compared well do, do do we think it'll be announced at elimination chamber or will it be next week well i think considering they didn't announce it tonight i would assume at the show and they'll just like who's the mystery person the last person to enter enter and it's oscar or whoever else they they choose but you're right maybe they do do it next week and they use that as a, a promotional tool for elimination chamber i'm just saying it would be a waste for her yeah. to return in saudi arabia that would suck and, and do do we assume who's winning this match is becky's opponent for mania no, it is. It's number one contendership. 
Well, right, but I mean, did they say it's for Mania or did they just yes. say Yes, no, for WrestleMania, okay. yes. Okay, yeah. yeah. So in that case... Um, Bianca Belair is we'll winning see. the match. Yeah. It feels like it's got to be Bianca, but if like Bailey comes back or something, then maybe that changes. I don't it, know. That, that's why it's interesting. Right. I am interested. Now, I, I, I do want to talk about... Tell me, wait, before you go on. Yeah. Tell me best case scenario, worst case scenario, winning this match, opponent for Becky Lynch at WrestleMania. Well... I mean, Bianca winning makes the most sense. It's the story; it, it builds up, and 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 I and I get it. Um, so I, I wouldn't hate that. Part of me is like, you know, if Bailey comes back, Bailey's kind of a heel. Is is heel Becky Bailey a thing? I I don't know. I I think best case would be Bianca because I I think that would be a good story, and and Bianca getting that spot is is um, is good. So I'm gonna say. Bianca's the best case. What's the worst case scenario? Lacey Evans. Okay. I'm I'm of a similar mindset to you. Um, Bianca Belair would be the best case scenario. Worst case would either be Lacey Evans or Alexa Bliss. Because... Yeah, Alexa Bliss would be bad too. Because like Bliss just to come in and do that, both of them, for them to come in and do that, it would be completely forced. It would push Belair out of a match that should definitely be hers. Um, and it wouldn't be putting your best foot forward at Mania. And WWE should always be putting its best foot forward at Mania. What else were you going to say? You had something else? So announcing this on Twitter, I saw a lot of people upset about it. And my first reaction was to be upset about it, which is why, again, like, why do it this way? Why don't you have qualifying matches like you do for the men? Blah, 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 blah. I, I, I get it. First part, my thought was, do they even have enough women to do qualifier matches? I don't know. I don't know. Not really. They, they, they may not. They could have done and a couple. The they could have done it like the men. We're like there were two or three that qualified. They could have done. And then the second part ties into kind of we didn't we didn't talk about this, but WWE had their earnings call or whatever last week, and they they talked about a lot of stuff and record revenue and I think record profits and and stuff like that. And it was a reminder of like WWE is a media company that's a lot more than the TV shows. And we, you know, we generally only talk about the TV shows on here. And that's a big part of the revenue. It's a big part of a lot of what they do. But for, you know, they do want things to happen on other channels. So the idea of announce, I like, I hated the, which one was it? It was it the, what was the last thing they announced on Twitter? Was it Money in the Bank? It was participants in, I think, the Money in the Bank match. It might have been. They did Money it on a Saturday. On, they and did it on like a Saturday. Saturday that, afternoon. That's yeah. So like they're clearly like trying to be like, hey, you need to follow the WWE account because you never know when we're going to reveal news there. And, you know, when you look at all the different places, WWE's getting revenue, reaching different people. I, I, I kind of get it. And it like it's just WWE is so much more than Raw and SmackDown now that I just think sometimes when these things happen, we need to keep that in mind just from the company standpoint. Announcing it on a announcing the money in the bank ones on a Saturday, like during college football, was really stupid. That was stupid, yeah. But I kind of understand the idea behind what they did. And I just want to bring that up because I saw a lot of people were upset. I was like, hey, why not do this on the show? Yeah, I think the whole deal of like, because if they do it on the show, it's one person comes out, another person comes out. Then all of a sudden, there's four people in the ring challenging. And Sonia Pierce and Adam DeVille, or Sonia Pierce and Adam DeVille. <laughs> uh, Adam Pierce and Sonia DeVille come out and say, you know what? We have Elimination Chamber coming up. Let's decide it in the chamber. And it's very formulaic. And it's the same thing you get. Plus, 
Becky already has a current challenger in Lita. So I was okay with them doing that. Could they have done qualifying matches? There are four women on the brand. Um, Tamina, Dana Brooke, Carmella, and Zelina Vega that theoretically could have been in qualifying matches. Okay. And if you beat all of them, sure. Uh, But I think maybe they could have done one or two qualifying matches to add some stuff to the show instead of just having the competitors face each other, which is what they did instead. Minor difference. I was fine with it. There's still a mystery. We don't know who that extra person is going to be. I'm excited for this match. This, you know what? The men's match, because I know the result. I'm not really looking forward to it. Uh, I'm not really looking forward to Roman Reigns and Goldberg. I'm looking forward to this. This is the match I, I am most excited for right now for Elimination Chamber. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and kind of kind of on that note, the, the, the lack of women on the roster um, from that earnings call last week, uh, I think Brandon Thurston put down like the number of uh, WWE talent under contract that they have. And we, we've talked about how they had 80 cuts or something like that last year. It looks like WWE estimates them at nearly 250 wrestlers or talent combined. That's down from. Three hundred more than three three hundred yeah. a year or two ago, but it's also more than they had in twenty eighteen, which was just two fifteen, and it was and it was as low as one hundred thirty five back in twenty yeah, thirteen. Now adding NXT, NXT UK, all these other things is certainly a big part of that. They're including but it was PC just, people too. Yes, and it was, so it was interesting to just see the total numbers. You know, the, the current talent level is the lowest in essentially three years. That's it. So well, it's not just you know, that. As we, the, the, that's the number. The level of talent is the lowest it's been, you know, before that. Because WWE's been built up with major talent for a long period of time, but the mm-hmm. numbers are the lowest it's been since eighteen. But the the yeah. average or median talent, let's say, because yeah. of the, the PC and NXT uh, 2.0, it's lower than it's been in a long time. Also, yeah, and it comes into play when we have only X amount of women and zero women's tag teams, despite having belts. And it was just, again, again, interesting to think of it more than just Raw and SmackDown, the whole company, and how they need to kind of figure out exactly where they're trying to go there. Over on SmackDown, uh, Drew McIntyre made his return after the Rumble. He said he was pumped up because he was told he wouldn't be clear for the Rumble or WrestleMania, but he rehabbed his ass off. He said he'd deal with Lesnar down the line and was focused on the happy folks due to their attack at day one. Happy Corbin distracted him, but McIntyre caught Madcap Moss attacking from behind as he pointed the sword at him demanding a joke. Moss actually, and I'll be honest, he actually told his best joke yet. Like they've all been <laughs> terrible. This was the best of the bad jokes. They're supposed to be bad jokes. This was the best of them. Uh, McIntyre hit him with a claymore and promised to make Corbin's life hell every week. So rather than make Corbin's life hell every week, why not just fight him one time mm-hmm. and beat the shit out of him and end it? Like what else is there to do but beat the shit out of the guy? The segment was not awful compared to some of the other ones that they've had. So I'm actually going to say good for the segment, even though I hate the storyline. But they've made a McIntyre-Moss rematch for Elimination Chamber when they already fought at day one, which is stupid. This one's not a pay-per-view match. That one was not a pay-per-view match. Just have them fight on SmackDown one time and then do the Corbin match at Chamber and figure out someone really good for McIntyre to face at WrestleMania. Instead, it is obvious that we are getting yeah. McIntyre Corbin eight weeks from now at WrestleMania and dragging this thing out for two months is just asinine. Every feud that Corbin is in goes too long. This is just the latest example. So segment, I'll say good, whatever, but man, do I hate this storyline and I hate this feud. Yeah, I, I, I'm i giving it a bad because of that. Like, 
just general, like, oh, we're really going to get happy. Drew McIntyre, who was in a WWE Championship match last year, who won the WWE Championship two years prior Mania, is now going to be in a match with Happy Corbin at WrestleMania. What 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 are we doing here? Like, he is one of the few stars you have on SmackDown. The That's guy who not... main evented the last two WrestleManias or was in the yeah. championship match the right. last two WrestleManias. Right, right. He... Like you on on SmackDown, you've got Roman. I guess you've kind of got Big E now, and Drew, and that's it. Like this is what you this is going to be your Drew McIntyre match. Like, golly man! And I, I've said like Corbin and Moss are, I think, are talented dudes. But th- this is just uh, th- think about the WrestleMania moments that Corbin's had. He retired Kurt Angle. He won a he won an Andre the Giant Battle Royal. Now he's going to get a Drew McIntyre match. Like, good for him, but like, man, like, they really, 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 really like him, I guess. I just. It's fine that oh, they like man. him, and I like, I like. I like him. I yeah. like him, too. But they book him so terribly. Yeah. I, yeah, exactly. I don't get it. I just, he he deserves a better gimmick, but hey, man, he's making money. You know, he's talked about But that's like not that. acceptable. Like, like, I, it, I, it, it's fine. If it's fine for him, I'm fine with that. It's not acceptable for a Drew McIntyre. If it's fine for him in his life and career, then I'm fine with it for him as a person. It's not fine to put yeah. on my WrestleMania that I have to watch. Yes, yes that's that my I'm problem. going to. Yeah, it's. Oh, yeah. Rough. All right. Uh, Sami Zayn showed up at the Jackass Forever movie premiere. He got kicked out as Johnny Knoxville cattle prodded him off the red carpet. I'm not sure why WWE on TV didn't show the full version that they showed on social media, which was even better. Uh, but this was great. Mm-hmm. It was very Andy Kaufman, full kayfabe type of stuff. Sammy complained to Pearson DeVille that he's been waiting for his intercontinental title match and they gave it to him. We're getting it in two weeks, the go home show to Blood Money in the Sand. It's actually going to be taped this Friday. So try to avoid the spoilers. It's the first time the Intercontinental title is going to be defended. Wait for it. Three months. Mostly because Shinsuke Nakamura was injured. Uh, but Sammy's entertaining. And there was no insane segment this week. So this was good. Yeah, this, this was good. And actually, literally, as we're talking about it, Sammy Zane tweeted a picture of him talking to Johnny Knoxville. And, and Tyler, the creator, is like a couple people back with this like wide-eyed look on his face. And Sammy Zane says... Uh, at Tyler, the creator, you saw everything that happened at the Jackass Forever premiere. I know you were as shocked as uh, as anyone at Johnny Knoxville's behavior. Please tell the people the truth. Sami Zayn is getting himself into places, yeah. uh, uh, mainstream type places, getting WWE into those places and thriving in those situations. So that's good for him. It's good for WWE. Uh, I don't really know where it's going. It's good that he's getting his match. He 100% should be the Intercontinental Champion. Again, another, just like the US title, a belt, we just forget where it is a lot of the times, but uh, this was good. It feels to me like one of two things is going to happen. Either we're going to get Zayn versus uh, Knoxville at WrestleMania, which, you know, there's always like that celebrity appearance or match or something like that. And if Johnny wants to train and actually do it, probably not the worst thing. I mean, we had Snooki in a match at WrestleMania. So if Knoxville wants to be in one. Yeah, but that's also maybe one of the worst manias of all time. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, but, but she was so bad. Actually, you know what? She actually wasn't that bad. She did flips and like hand, and like cartwheels and stuff. Like she Look, tried. We got we got we got Bad Bunny last year and it was good. I'm just all I'm saying is that if he's involved in Mania, it's not the worst thing. Or yeah. or Sami Zayn wins the Intercontinental Title, defends against a babyface, and Knoxville is in the corner of the babyface and helps that person win the title at WrestleMania. So there's two different mm-hmm. directions that we can go. Both of them, I think, I'm totally fine with. 
That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Speaking of the Intercontinental Championship, we had Shinsuke Nakamura against Jinder Mahal in a champion contenders match. Again, even though they already had a number one contender. Okay. Yes. Uh, Rick Boog's guitar didn't work. So he basically had to air guitar the intro, which is very funny because when he first debuted in NXT, his gimmick was a guy who did air guitar. Uh, so that was weird. Uh, Nakamura, again, already has a number one contender, but he has a contenders match. Doesn't make any sense. Anyway, Zayn entered for commentary. Nakamura won with Kinshasa in four minutes. And then Boogs, they fixed his guitar, so he was able to play it. This was just irrelevant. Uh, I didn't mind the time here because it's Mahal, but there was no reason whatsoever to do the match. It was just bad. Yeah, just another one was like, again, this was like, where there was a lot of bits on SmackDown where I'm like, seriously? Like, this is this is what SmackDown's turned into? The the, the McIntyre-Corbin stuff was one, and, and this was another, just like, like you have right, Jinder Mahal, Shanky, and Madcap Moss, a guy named Madcap Moss, getting significant time on SmackDown. And you're just like, yeah, they just killed that division. Or the, they killed that, um, the mid-card men's oh. division. Yeah. It's empty. It's terrible. Yep. On Raw, we had Miz TV with the Mysterios. They argued over Miz cheating in the match last week. Miz was pissed that Ray's on the cover of WWE 2K22. Dominic stood up for Ray, and Miz challenged him to a rematch, insinuating that Dom must be Eddie Guerrero's son, because he's tall, as if we haven't heard that before. Uh, Miz, Dominic, one-on-one. Dom mocked the Miz's like, old mannerisms in the ring, which was kind of funny. Pissed him off. Maurice tripped Dom and got ejected. Then Ray tripped Miz while the referee was distracted. Uh, and so Dom took advantage with a flip-style roll-up for the win. Dom then did Eddie's celebration, the, the chest you know shake gyration on the announce table. And he got a really solid pop from the crowd, which I thought was pretty cool. I'm not going to shade this for time because it's part of the story. They did it last week. They did it this week. It was good enough um, for an extra storyline in the low card. Dom working a program with Miz and Miz, I assume, inevitably fighting Ray at WrestleMania makes a lot of sense to me. So I'm okay with this whole thing. Yeah, um, Miz TV was kind of boring until they got to the Eddie uh, Eddie comment that Miz made. Um, they did some big, I think this was the first commercial of Raw, because they said they were going to go commercial free on sci-fi for the first, I think, hour. And then they did this, but it was picture in picture. And, you know, I, I say this with, with AEW, but like, do this normally. Do picture in picture. Like, I, I'm less likely to change the channel when that's happening. So that's so they, a good. The bad is that the picture in picture, they didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they just stood, stood around. around the ring. Yeah. They stood around the ring for like three minutes, like not even it, barely in the ring, outside the ring. So I was like, oh, so this is what it's like right now when you're at a Raw. They're just not doing anything in between <laughs> between the commercials right now. So that was weird. I'm uh, I, I guess I'll give this a good because it was fine, but it was another one. It's just like, yeah, sure. They can do picture in picture and commercial free hours and stuff on sci fi because ad rates are so low that it doesn't affect right. them. But on USA and Fox, they maximize it. And that's the problem. Uh, the only time I've I ever... Know, I, yeah, I get it. Yeah. I just... Business... Advertising business-wise, I don't... Uh, I, don't I don't think it works. But uh, that's why I'm, I'm not in that business, so... Yeah, no. I'm, I'm with you. Um, so, yeah. Let's move on. Biggie and Kofi Kingston fought Los Lotharios on SmackDown. So, Biggie, right back in the tag team group storyline. Uh, they gave us a mini backstory with New Day invading a photo shoot earlier. Kofi got a trust fall thwarted outside with a super kick. Kofi then stopped a perfect moonsault from Roberto Carrillo with two straight legs. Biggie got the hot tag and the loudest pop of the entire night. A new day hit a great assisted flying bulldog. Carrillo broke the fall. Biggie missed his tope spear and got hit with a moonsault outside. Kofi then missed trouble in paradise 
and Los Lotharios hit an assisted flying missile dropkick for a 2.9 false finish. Kofi then flipped out of the wing clipper and New Day won with Midnight Hour in 10 minutes. Look what happens when you let people wrestle and give them time. This was just mm-hmm. like the Kevin Owens, Austin Theory match on Raw. We got a fun match, a great crowd reaction. Everyone got over. Wild stuff. Totally things that have never happened in wrestling before. Um, this was strong, competitive match. It got Los Lotharios over as legitimate. They should build on it. I actually went 3.5 stars and a B. I found it very entertaining. And of course, I gave it a good. Yeah, it was good. I, I, giving us the photo shoot interruption, like, sure. Like, just give us a reason to have a match. Like, it doesn't need to be a, main, a big thing. Just like, oh, this happened earlier, so they're going to have a match. Okay, now I understand, like, what's going on here. We got some time. And again, you can make, you can establish people in losses like they did with Austin Theory, like they did here. You take them more seriously now. New Day gets to win. That's good. You know, obviously we'd love Big E to be in a bigger spot right now, but it looks like he's just tag team back again, and we're just going to have to deal with that until they come up with something different. But uh, no, this is good. Naomi demanded another match with Sonya, who twice denied her challenge, but said Naomi would get a SmackDown Women's Championship match against Charlotte Flair next week. Naomi didn't believe it, so Adam Pearce confirmed it. I kind of hate that the feud is continuing. I mean, it seems like they're now just definitely going for a WrestleMania match. It had a natural end at the Royal Rumble. Naomi mm-hmm. got over on her. Sonya cost her their rumble. You kind of just let sleeping dogs lie. But I did think this was a fine segment. Everyone got their point across. Naomi Flair in a title match is pretty cool. I hope it's a real match. It's okay if Flair beats Naomi clean as long as it gets time. I thought this was good. I'm I'm giving it a I'm giving it a bad just because my reaction coming out of it was I'm not looking forward to this. We've had what two Charlotte Naomi matches already that have been complete nonsense. Yeah, but they were not, but they were nonsense. And they, That's what I'm right, saying. And they, addr- and they addressed that, but I don't, I'm not going to believe it's a real thing until it's a real thing. I just, I, I can't believe Naomi's having an actual match without Sony interfering until it happens. So sure. I may but change again but at the moment, bro, I'm just saying at the moment, like they can say it, but I've just been burned so many times by this that I'm, I'm not looking forward to this. At the moment, I, I I could certainly like it. It could be good. But just I'm not. My first reaction was, well, we know Charlotte's winning because she's because Ronda's got her whole thing. So how are, how is Sony going to screw Naomi over to protect Naomi? That's just my first reaction to it because that's what they've been doing. So well, I just look at it. So like when I do this segment, I'm I, even if I hate a storyline like the Happy Folks and Drew McIntyre, I hate that storyline. I, when I do the grades, I'm grading on what I saw on TV this week. So was yeah. this segment on SmackDown good or bad? I'm saying good. Is does that mean I like the direction the storyline's going? No, I don't. So that I differentiate between that. I'm not saying you have to. I'm just explaining when I grade things. I'm saying, yeah. was this thing that I saw on TV this week, was it good, bad, or ugly? This was good. I mean, it wasn't anything, really, but we have to make it. it right, it wasn't Between anything. the three it's categories. Just to me, it, it, yeah. it's something we've seen several times over the last few weeks, so I just kind of had no reaction. That's fine. I'm not saying that you're wrong. No. I'm just explaining the difference yeah. in what we're talking yeah. about. Alexa Bliss was holding the replica Lily in therapy, and she handed him her back to the therapist when the guy asked for it. Then Alexa began crying. He praised her for controlling her anger. Then she described a woman who looked like Lily cutting in front of her at a grocery store saying she hit her with some bread and then left the store. The shrink said they have more work to do. I guess this was maybe the best of all of these segments so far, but I don't know, whatever. The whole thing sucks. It was bad. Yeah, no, like I, I turned on this last week there doesn't really seem to be that much progress week to week 
it, it, it it's inching forward just barely, but we're not seeing anything different. It looks like Alexa Bliss is going to be the same character with some sort of Lily. So yeah, I'm, I'm giving it a bad. Uh, Reggie and they're Hall- doing like two, and they're doing two of these a show now. Well, they're doing like, they're, it's so annoying what they're doing. So they're recounting last week, then showing yeah. the extra part of last week that we didn't see. And then showing a new half of one. It's very yeah, convoluted it's, the way they're doing it. it and look, like Alexa Bliss tweeted a few weeks back, just like, you know, give this time, give it patience. And I, I and I was, but we're, it's not going anywhere now. Well, that's the, it's like, okay, how, how patient am I going to be? Like, okay, let's say this goes another month. What's the end result of this going to be? Is she going to completely change out of this character back to her normal self? If so, that's a good decision for her to no longer be this character. But the journey isn't worthwhile. I'd rather her just return normal. Lily's gone. Right. It's right. not part of her life anymore. She's a normal person again. <laughs> That's it. That's all I need. Wrestling's not. T- I don't, you don't need to tell me this. whole. Now, I like when wrestling tells me an entire story, but they're choosing to tell it for Alexa Bliss and Lily as opposed to Roman Reigns and Goldberg. You know, like spend time on that, not on this. It's just a joke. Um, Reggie helped Dana Brooke avoid the other 24-7 losers backstage. Dana thanked Reggie for being there for her kissed him on the cheek. He immediately wondered what that meant. Like he was 12 years old or something. She said they're really good friends. Then they hugged, but paused and almost kissed. The acting was terrible. This was bad. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't think the 24 seven title could get any more irrelevant after all the Reggie stuff, but here we are. It's uh, it's bad. Okay. Nothing so, more to say that we haven't said a million times about this belt. So I've been saving a lot of anger and bads. You guys you may be saying, hey, Silver King, you're pretty positive in this segment. I was saving it, okay, for this. I want oh, you to... St- I, 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 oh, wait, so I, I don't know what this is. I thought this... I thought this... You teased it at the beginning of the show. I thought this was going to be about uh, the Ronda thing, so I don't know what this is going to be. Oh, no, no, no. This is... Okay, so stay with me. I'm, I'm, this is going to go for just a little bit. We had Ricochet versus Ridge Holland on SmackDown. Ricochet caught Holland coming in the ring with a recoil and beat him for the win in two minutes. Cool that he won. But then it became a tag team match in an exact rematch from last week after a commercial. So we got Ricochet and Cesaro versus Sheamus and Holland. This match lasted four minutes with Holland beating Cesaro using his Northern Grit finisher. So we got two matches in six minutes after this tag team match on its own last week win 11 minutes. No storyline development. No one got over. No purpose or benefit whatsoever from any of it. And on top of that, 50-50 booking. But that's not all. Immediately after this, we got another commercial. And we got another match. Jimmy Uso versus Eric. Jay distracted. Jimmy hit a super kick. And then an Uso splash to win in 90 seconds. Then we got another commercial. We came back with Natalia versus Aaliyah for the third time in four weeks. Aaliyah won via countout in two minutes. (laughs) Natalia later demanded a pinfall or submission dungeon-style match next week. So we're going to get it four times in five weeks. She went to tell Aaliyah when Zia Lee walked out of the locker room and scared her. Zia Lee, by the way, who's been on SmackDown for months, has made three total appearances and has not yet had a match. So Chris, this is the sequence of what went down during the first hour of SmackDown after the Roman Reigns and Goldberg shit that we talked about. Two-minute match, commercial. Four-minute match, commercial. 90-second match, commercial. Two-minute match, commercial. In that time, we could have had two perfectly good, perfectly solid, exciting, 
10-minute matches. No, not two 10-minute matches. Four matches. Nobody got over. Nothing was accomplished. Natalia and Aaliyah, I guess it advanced it a little bit. But nothing mattered. In every possible way, this was straight up ugly. I am pissed off. I'm pissed to the highest level of pissivity. It doesn't make sense to anybody because nobody says that. No, I don't understand because nobody understands. I'm bored, brother. This is for crap. Ask Fitz. <laughs> Great idea. I don't give a damn what you people. That's the problem, Vince. That's the problem. You don't give a damn. And my problem is I care too much. Yeah, maybe I just care too much. There's just, I don't even have another takeaway. How could I have an opinion when nothing happened? This was what I was saying at the beginning of the show, which is that SmackDown is largely irrelevant outside of Roman Reigns now. There's nothing that you like have to see or care to see or even matters. And that whole that whole hour that you laid out was exactly it. Completely unnecessary. Doesn't help anybody. I don't know what the point was. It was complete nonsense. Also, I, I made I made a comment, I think last week, when I said, we don't know Aaliyah's story. The only thing we know is that she's apparently just happy to be here. Who is she? What does she want? As she's making her entrance, Cole literally says, she's so happy to be here, <laughs> so happy to be a part of WWE. <laughs> like, what does that mean? She's been here for a month. She's getting wins over Natalia. She's breaking Guinness records. And we know nothing about her. We don't care about her at all. Like, there's so there's so little effort being put into so much of what's on SmackDown right now. It's appalling. The number two men's storyline on SmackDown is Drew McIntyre and the Happy Folks. The number three storyline yeah. is Shinsuke Nakamura and Sami Zayn. Just think about that. On Raw, you can say you have Rollins and Owens and RK Bro and Riddle and Brock. And, and you know, Bro yeah, Brock is Lashley. doing stuff. Lashley's doing stuff. Like there's so much. Go uh, uh, AJ Styles is now doing something at least with Damian Priest. There's so much going on on Raw. They just killed the men's roster on SmackDown. And they, this show, the way it's booked, it is just as bad as it's ever been since it's been on Fox. Like it is literally at its lowest point right now. It is pathetic television. And this, to me, was just a prime example of it. 20 minutes of TV. You can give us two matches with some of these people involved. You, you give us Ricochet versus Holland. Let them go for 10 minutes. Get them both over. You give us Natalia and Aaliyah. Do the pinfall or submission here. We don't need another count out. Let them go for 10 minutes. Get Aaliyah over. Let her beat Natalia. And you're done. There is no reason for Jimmy Uso and Eric to happen at all. There is no reason to repeat the tag team match they did last week. Just none whatsoever. It was mind numbing, this 20 minutes. I couldn't believe it was a Friday. And I was sick. So, you know, I was home with COVID. I was like, you know, I have nothing else better to do. But I told you, I started feeling shitty Thursday and Friday. So I'm watching this and I'm taking notes and I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Why am I watching <laughs> SmackDown right now? I couldn't justify it to myself. I was so freaking angry. Yeah, it's honestly, it's not outside of whatever the opening segment is. It's not really something you need to watch live at the moment. And several weeks here, I haven't. I've, I've just I've watched it on Sunday. Yeah. 
and fast forwarded through commercials and some other stuff. Well, in a, so. in a normal time, you know, we, we've only done this show during COVID, but pre-COVID, I'm out on a Friday night. I'm going to dinner. I'm getting yeah. some drinks at a bar. I'm doing something and I am DVRing it and I am fast forwarding through it. So maybe I wouldn't hate it as much if I was doing that. But now, especially this week, I was homesick. I'm stuck and I'm just like, my mind, like you should have seen me. I was sitting there with the dog. I was talking to my dog. I was like, dude, what am I watching? Like, why are we watching this? I was hoping for an answer. I didn't get one. Uh, lastly, we got another Veer is Coming promo. This one was definitely new. I know last week I wasn't sure. This one was definitely new. At this point, though, it has to be a total rib. I, I'm rooting for the guy. I said when they split up these three that Veer was the one with potential. I still believe that. He has a backstory, everything. I want him to show up on TV. I want him to win and be good. At this point, I don't know. I actually think I missed this one, but I don't know. There's nothing else to say. Yeah, there's nothing there's, else there's to nothing. say. There's it's nothing. Not, it's at some point he comes, whatever. I just like to mention at I, the end of this. I just, I just, I hope, I hope they treat him right because sure. they've done this to him through no fault of his own. And he has a great backstory. He's the million dollar arm, right? He is. And not he's, he's one of the rare people in WWE that was given a last name rather than have one taken away. Yeah. So, yeah. So like, there's so much you could, I mean, I assume they're not going to tell us the story considering this is all they're telling us. You've had all these promos, but yeah, he'll come, he'll come at some point. Yeah. So that was it uh, from this week in WWE. There were bright spots. I mean, raw, I did largely enjoy on Monday night. I did. Mm -hmm. I saw people were criticizing raw. I think certainly it had its down moments as every WWE show does, but raw has consistently been the better program. And this week, even while there were bright spots in the Roman Reigns and Charlotte Flair, Ronda Rousey segments, there were also really, really low spots. And that's talking about, not, not even talking about, all the negative stuff that was happening across SmackDown as well. So look, that's it for this week in WWE. Let's quickly go over uh, the schedule, the forthcoming schedule here on the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. We're going to be back on Thursday to talk all things AEW and NXT. We have a pretty important uh, NXT show. There's going to be a title match on Tuesday in AEW. You have Tony Khan promoting some surprise forbidden door free agent signing uh, for Wednesday. A lot of speculation on what's who's going to debut for Dynamite. We'll, we'll find out on Dynamite and we'll discuss it Thursday on this show. Next week on Tuesday will be our WWE Elimination Chamber Ultimate Preview episode. And of course, we'll have another AEW uh, NXT episode the following Thursday. And we'll talk to you about our Elimination Chamber plans next week because it's going to be a Saturday show in the afternoon, which is going to create a whole different schedule than what the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast normally does. But as far as you need to know, AEW NXT on Thursday. Um, WWE Elimination Chamber Ultimate Preview next Tuesday. And now that I think of it, uh, NXT is doing, uh, I was going to say St. Valentine's Day Massacre, but Vengeance Day is what it's called uh, on Tuesday. So there's a big show for that as well. So maybe I'll throw some of that into this Thursday show. We'll do a Vengeance Day coming up this Thursday. Wrestling Podcast. Thank you all for listening. A reminder, as always, getting over Wrestling Podcast. So leave those five-star ratings for us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. And please allow me this evening to leave you with three final words. Bye for now.